Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you all on this September 8th, Tuesday of 2020. Uh, I know we have had a long uh, weekend, and we pray that you were able to uh, able to enjoy this time with your families in such an hour like this. And uh, we are so grateful to have you join us today. Uh, I can sense already that there is an expectation right now in the people as as we are, as there is an expectation in our lives and to get into the word of God and, and see what God is saying in this hour. We are so glad today that uh, we have Brother Marty back uh, after a, a couple of days. He was in our prayers. We prayed together for our brother and he was able to minister. And we're so grateful to have Brother Marty back with us on our podcast and we thank God for, uh, you know, helping uh, Pastor Fernando and myself <laughs> on Thursday and Friday and, and to continue to uh, um, to continue to speak in the flow of the word and revelation that God has been giving us. And so we are excited today for what uh, God is doing. We are excited today for what God uh, is going to do. It's interesting this morning as I uh, I, I saw the news uh, as our, as most of you know of, of the fires that are taking place in, place in Northern California and in Southern California, and yeah. we could literally see it from here the the smoke and all of that. And uh, this morning, Brother Marty, you sent a, sent me an article of over a hundred and forty four thousand uh, firefighters right yeah. now uh, working tirelessly. And and but this this what what caught my attention was the headline. This is what the headline says, and I think it's a it's a um. Let's see what word I can use. It's a uh, it's a sign, you know, of what where we're heading and where we're at. And this is the headline of the of the article, and you can find it on Yahoo. As California burns, the winds arrive, and the light go out <laughs> that was the headline as california burns the winds arrive and the lights go out and i i thought about it spiritually what you know many what that could mean in many in a manifold way how god is even speaking to us even through these headlines of where we are exactly california is literally burning the winds have arrived and the lights go out these are the times that we are living these are the times uh you my friend that are listening that brothers and sisters that we are living in in, and where we're heading in this hour and i think more than ever before it's not a cliche it's the truth the fellowship in the word of god that we're having in these podcasts is going to be it is so needful and so necessary and uh, we want you to know that we are praying that we take this with the utmost respect and seriousness of what we are giving the people. And we want you to know, you know, that, that these are, we're heading, we're entering now into a, a very prophetic time in our history of time. So, but today we're going to get into the word of God and that's where we're going to find answers, right? That's where we're going to find comfort. That's where we're going to find clarity. I think that's what's missing today in the church is there's not a clarity, but we want to speak to you every time we come to you with clarity. 
And so today in our panel, we have Brother Marty. Uh, good to have you, Brother Marty. Uh, Brother Fernando. And we're ready to get into the Word of God. And we're excited because these are exciting times too to see what God is saying. So, Brother Marty, once again, good to have you back, my brother. And uh, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Hey, man, it's good to be back again. Uh... We were on a brief um, ministry journey, as Brother Jeremy was talking about. I got to meet with the brethren in an undisclosed location in case the uh, the government is listening. <laughs> and anyway, but we had we had quite a uh, a few days in the Word, and and uh, and while we were. One of the things we were talking about is what we're going to talk about today. We we've been flowing in 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 the direction that the Lord has has been uh, allowing us to to see some things out of Jeremiah, out of Isaiah, out of Gethsemane. Uh, I was really blessed by the two podcasts that I heard on Thursday and Friday. Uh, the the word was 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 a great blessing to me, and I know to you also. And on Saturday night, the Lord led me to begin to discuss uh, with the people that I was meeting with uh, Psalm 74. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like you please to uh, to open to Psalm 74. And I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if he would please read to us uh, a, a good bit of a good bit of Psalm 74 from verse one to verse three. And then we will get into uh, into what I believe the Lord is is uh, speaking to us uh, as we begin uh another week uh of seeking the lord as 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 we go forward so in the name of the lord jesus would you read to us brother jeremy as we begin our study today in psalm 74 a psalm written by the great asaph the choir director in the house of the lord brother jeremy and you said the first three verses right uh no read all the way to verse 11 11 okay in the name of jesus here we go yeah Mashil of Asaph. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thy inheritance which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations even all that the enemy had done wickedly in the sanctuary. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. But now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs. There is no more any prophet. Neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. O oh God, how long shall the, the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand, 
pluck it out of thy bosom. Wow. Why hast thou withdrawn thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. Hopefully we'll get to this verse today. Uh, we're beginning a new study today on Psalm 74. It's incredibly prophetic what is revealed in this psalm. And it really can be broken up into into uh, four sections. Uh, and we'll see that as we go along. Uh, so, uh, verse 1 through 3 is is a reflection of what has already happened. Verse 4 through 11 is the description of what actually took place as we'll get into this. Uh, verse 11 being a, a an incredibly prophetic declaration by by uh, by the by Asaph as the Holy Spirit had his mind transition into verse 12 through 17. He begins to unfold some incredible things in there. And then uh, verse 19 to 23, he concludes. And so, you know, we want to look at this psalm because the Lord's really been opening this up to us. And there are some incredible things that, that, that really apply to our time and, and, and what, we're, what we're going through at this time in our life and what's happening globally. Because really the psalm itself is a prophecy of the end of the world based on events that were that hadn't even happened yet in Asaph's day and wouldn't happen for, for another couple hundred years, but several hundred years, really about 400 years after he wrote this, is when the things that he began to see would actually happen. It's really an incredible psalm because it's dual in its prophetic sense. And what I mean by that is that it 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 prophesies of a coming destruction of the temple and, and of Jerusalem itself, which actually would happen several times. Uh, you know, the Babylonians came, as we've been uh, discussing over the last couple of weeks, uh, destroying Jerusalem and, and the temple itself. And then also it seems to reference a, a time after the temple was rebuilt, after the captivity, when it was defiled by Antiochus Epiphanes, a foreshadow of the Antichrist who was yet to come. And then it finally concludes with uh, a, a hint at the Roman destruction of Jerusalem uh, after Christ had risen from the dead and gone back to be with the Heavenly Father. It's at that time that they were dispersed and scattered uh, to the four corners of the world. And so this is what Asaph is seeing. He goes on, as we'll see later uh, in, the, in the coming days, to begin to unfold the book of Revelation, the actual book of Revelation in this psalm. He was carried so far in the spirit. Uh, it's incredible what he saw. And, and he even sees the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord. So all of this will be seen, and that is where we believe we are. We're just ahead of those. Those days are just ahead of us. Where I don't, I, I can't even foresee how the how the world is actually going to go on another hundred years, even though people talk like that. Even fifty years, heck, even by the November election, who knows? <laughs> it's so crazy right now. It's like you wake right. up one day, uh, from day to day, you just wake up and expect something crazy to happen. First thing I was greeted with in my morning news blog this morning was, and NASA says that there's an asteroid flying really close to the Earth today. And then they talked about the one that just flew over uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they said, we didn't even know that one was coming. That came within 1,600 miles of the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's, that's kind of like, you know, 
the next room if you're at your house, you know, <laughs> it's like from your bedroom to your kitchen and to put it into perspective, that's how close it got to hitting the planet. And if it wasn't for the uh, the magnetic shield of the earth, it, it, uh, which turned it in a certain direction, it would have hit and they didn't know it was coming. Isn't it interesting how many more times we're hit, how, how often we've been hearing lately about asteroids and, and things in the, in the heavens. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on, man. But, but this Psalm 74, again, like we said, it was written by Asaph, and it begins, we're going to look at that, uh, what Brother Jeremy first read. It's called a maskil, right? A maskil of Asaph. That word is very important to understand because it sets the tone for what's about to follow. It, the word maskil means to, to, to think deeply. It's written in a poetic form or in the form of, of music. And so it also carries with it in the root word that what is about to be approached, written, said, or sung must be done so at a very high and skillful level. That's literally what that means. And so it's it's also representative of deep meditation and contemplation. So what's really being said there when he titles Psalm 74, a maskil of Asaph, He's trying to alert us, the reader who would read these words in the future, that it must be understood from that perspective. At a very high and skillful level, it is it is meant to be meditative and reflective in order to understand what it is that was revealed to him. Now, Asaph, it's very interesting because his name literally means uh, the gatherer <laughs> or one who gathers. And that also sets the tone, because the, the gist of the psalm is about the end of time and the Lord regathering or gathering his people to himself. The conclusion of it will be that we meet the Lord. You know, we know in Christianity that in some measure that, you know, the prophecy and the Lord is coming and all that kind of stuff. But consider that Asaph is writing this before the temple is ever even built. And who is this Asaph? Well, he was appointed by King David along with uh, Jeduthun and, uh, and, and a man named Heman or Haman. They were the three, there were three specific individuals that King David had chosen to be specifically involved in the training of the musicians in the training of the singers and they were considered to be prophets brother jeremy could you read uh, just uh for for this uh for the purposes of describing who asaph really was could you read to us second chronicles uh chapter 29 verse 30 to us yes yes it says um verse 20 chapter 29 verse 30 here we go Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer, and they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. So notice what they call Asaph there. Uh, and, and, and notice what they say. They equate Asaph with King David. In many ways, right? Because they say that when Hezekiah dedicates the temple, those of you who don't know about Hezekiah, he his his uh, father was Manasseh, 
who was one of the most wicked kings that ever lived, if not the most wicked king that lived in the history of Judah. And he he repaired the, the house of the Lord, and and it was around the Passover season, and they had to get ready to institute a Passover. He instituted a national revival. And during that time, uh, which would take an, an additional month, so it was actually the month after Passover that they celebrated the Passover, which we ain't got time to get into that today, but that fell under Levitical law. It was right to do that. But the point of the matter is, is that King has a, Hezekiah instituted what the scripture calls or describes as the greatest Passover ever held in the history of Israel. And so it's interesting to me that that connected to that great Passover, which has so many prophetic implications, it says that he had he had the Levites or the singers sing the praises of the Lord with the words of King David, right? And then it says Asaph, the seer. So the Bible identifies Asaph not just as a praise and worship leader and a musician, but he's called a seer, a prophet. And so we have to have that little background we just gave in order to understand and to keep in mind that Asaph is a prophet. And God had gave him this prophecy of Psalm 74. And it's with that in mind that we, we turn to the psalm and as we stated, uh, you know, it looks to the future, to our times, as as well as their time, uh, which would witness Babylon and 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 Antiochus in the in the future of the Second Temple, and then finally the destruction for the last time of Jerusalem and the Temple that that was there in A.D. 70. Now the Psalm itself is incredible because it spans all the way to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, which you'll find in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, where it talks, the famous scripture that talks about he who sits on the white horse is faithful and true. You know, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll look into all that this week as we go on in the next, uh, what is today, brothers? Tuesday, (laughs) in the next four days, we're going to stay in this psalm because it is so incredibly deep and rich what is being revealed and how it applies to our time because we're living in those days that, that, that Asaph saw. So we're going to begin in verse 1. I laid all that, if the Lord allows us. Let us look and begin at verse 1. And remember what we said. Asaph's name means the gatherer. He's not just one of the chief musicians selected by King David, uh, but he's also called the seer, one who was a prophet. And And so this is who's writing this. Brother Jeremy, can you read to us verse 1, Psalm 74, 1, as we get into our study, and uh, and we pray it blesses you. Go ahead, brother. Masculine of Asad. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why dost thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? It's incredible what he begins to reveal here, because it's as if we begin the psalm... Uh, uh, as if what what has already happened, right? He says, why hast thou cast us off? Understand that Asaph is being lifted into the realm of the prophetic. He's being shown God, shown by God, the history of what would happen to Israel. And, and what he begins to describe as he's in that prophetic mode with the Lord is that he he laments and he cries out and he asks the question, 
why have you cast us off forever? What is of note is that the cry of Asaph's heart is is at what he is seeing. And, and what he is seeing is an Israel that's been removed from its land. It's already happened in this prophetic vision. He sees it. And we know that it's a long time because of what he says. He says, has it been forever? Are you going to leave us forever? And so it's extraordinary if you think about it, because when Asaph is having a vision of an Israel that's been gone for so long, they haven't even built the temple yet. All they had was David's tabernacle. And so this prophetic vision accelerated him into the future. And he saw the history of it all. And he saw after the exile, and he saw how many days they would actually be exiled to the point that what he experienced in his prophetic vision was a great lament, right? This great cry. He he cries out, first of all, oh, God. It's a deep and, and, and powerful thing that he's experiencing. And then he asks the question, why have you cast us off forever? It indicates the length of time, and that's important for us to understand. So it sets the tone for what's about to follow, because it's as if we're picking it up post-history. It's already happened. And not only has it already happened, but it's been a long time since it's happened. And what Asaph is allowed to experience is, is the physical and emotional sense of a nation completely under the judgment of God. And and that's why he laments and asks that rhetorical question. He asks it out loud. What, when he, how, are you going to like not deal with this forever? Is, is it over? Is that all there is? Have you judged us? And you're never going to bring us back? He understands that the Lord has rejected them, right? Because as we right. get into this psalm, right, what we're going to see is it's not the devil. <laughs> All this stuff happened and it wasn't the devil. It wasn't. And we're talking about our times too now, right? Because there are right. many out there that are wondering what is going on. What, do you, what is happening to us? Right? And, and, and what's beautiful about Asaph is, is he knows that their plight, is an act of God. It is you, Lord, that has cast us off. See, they reached in his prophetic vision. Now, remember, he's writing this when David's the king. So even though, you know, every nation has its problems, what he's seeing under the greatest time of the greatest king that Israel had ever known, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, who they rejected, He's seeing a vision in a time of David being king that is so far in the future that what he realizes is that the nation itself is as if God has has rejected them and cast them away. But he focuses as and understands that that the that the issue is is that it, it is it is the Lord that has rejected them. But he considers the length of time as well, right? Why have you cast this off? It's metaphoric. He's using the word forever as a metaphor to describe what it feels like. It's been so long. 
and it was you who removed us and, and, and cast us away from you, Lord, your presence. And then he goes on into the second thing. Can you read the second thing, Brother Jeremy? Verse 1. After Why? Yeah. Chapter 74, right? Why does thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Okay, now he hones in and and he's almost answering uh, his own question about the wrath of God or the judgment of God. And he says, does your anger smoke against the, the sheep of your pasture? He's asking the right question. He's saying this judgment is from you. It's your anger against your sheep. It's the second thing that he brings up. He brings the right question to the Lord to ask him. Is it you, Lord? Because if it is you, Lord, we need to know and understand why. Today in our times, brothers, right? I mean, here in our nation, the church has yet to even reflect on what Asaph was reflecting on. They blame the world. They blame the Democrats in this country. They blame the devil. They blame everything (laughs) else, right? They blame Antifa. They blame Black Lives Matter. They blame the mailman. I mean, they blame everything. (laughs) But they don't do what what Asaph did, the prophet. He asked the question and understood that the anger or what they were up under, what he was experiencing prophetically again, he's seeing into the future. He says, this is a work of God. And he wants to know why. He looks to the church of his day, right? He doesn't look at all these other outside circumstances. Remember, brother, when judgment is upon us, it has to come upon us because judgment begins at the house of God. And so one of the first questions that we have to answer here and, and, and what conceivably is actually happening is that God is judging his house in this country, just as he did Judah and Jerusalem way back in the day. And and Asaph has this feeling of not having the favor of God on the nation anymore. He realizes that what is happening in this prophetic vision that he's seeing, which we'll get into here in a second and see what it is that actually happened to them, he he asks the right question. He reflects on the fact that it, what I'm seeing, he says, it's not a it's not a result of the Babylonians, it's not a result of the Syrians, it's not a result of Rome, it's not a result of any of these other things. This is God angry with his people, the sheep of his pasture. He asks the right question. We're not hearing that asked right. in our country today, right? Any any no, any, no, no. any any uh any remarks on that thought? Well, I'll say this, brother. I think we have not been taught um, correctly of what the the judgment of God intends to accomplish. Um, we always look at the judgment of God as just, you know, a punishment for not doing right. But what, what we've been laying out through the prophet Jeremiah, um, and, and now uh, the question is being posed by Asaph, uh, as to why the judgment of, of God comes, 
there, there is good in that judgment. It's, it's, it's really God's grace encapsulated in his judgment because it's, it's a, almost a point of last recourse yeah. to, to, open our, to open our eyes. And we have to understand that here, here in 2020, the church, right, has to understand that the judgment of God is intended for our good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is for our evil, but it's, it's God's grace to open our eyes so that we can see that, that you know, as, as it says of the Church of Laodicea, you know, that we're increased with goods and, and goods in the need of nothing. Uh, the truth of the matter is you have nothing. And, and it, it all stems from, from the kind of teaching that's been going on uh, for the last, I don't know, 50 years in, in the body of yeah. Christ. You know, and I, I, I again, uh, we keep going back to the Old Testament. There's, there might be some people saying, you know, that's Old Testament stuff. You know, that's how God dealt with God's people in those days. We're the, the, the church, right? We're, we're in a new dispensation. He deals with us differently. We're, we're actually called by God. We're, we're, we're a, a royal priesthood. We're, we're a, a, a royal nation, right? We're, we're, we're sons <laughs> yeah. of the king, right? You know, right. and that's true. But, but again, I, 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 we go back to that verse we keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul says that all these things happen unto them, right? And he's speaking of, of the exodus, of course, but everything that transpired with, uh, with Israel, even, even the times of Asaph, right? They're, 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 those things happen to them for, for an example unto us, and, and they're written for our admonition to whom the ends of the world has come. That's yeah. an end-time generation. So I want to I want to just let the listener know that you cannot understand, and we spoke about this before the podcast. Where we at as are as are as a church, if you don't understand what took place with Israel and why it took place and why God sent judgment, because the Apostle Paul bears that out there. That in order to understand yes. where we're at in the end time, church, you have to study what took place to Israel and 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 and, and how God dealt with them, because. It is impossible. It is impossible to know where we're at if we don't read these stories like we are in the book of Jeremiah and, and now the Psalms. It's, it's, yes. it's going to help us out to understand where we're at and where we're heading. And, yes, I do believe that, that we find ourselves in the same place where God, it, it seems as though he's hiding himself from us. Why? Yes. yes. Why and, is the and question? The, that's, that's, the, that's the question he asks, right? Yes. He did ask that, and that's, and 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 it's, if we just pause here and, and and reflect on the quality of character of Asaph, uh, you made me think of that because you said he asked the question why, and then he he goes about pursuing the answer. He's and what's so mysterious here, if we consider it, is he's been elevated into the realm of prophecy. He's been carried so far into the future and has witnessed what he's about to record. But he begins by by asking questions within the vision itself, which is extraordinary. I, I think that you see that in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, when God takes Ezekiel by a lock of his hair and, and, and he's continually asking him, what are you seeing? Ezekiel tells him what he sees and, and, and God tells Ezekiel certain things to do, like dig in this wall, open a hole, go through the door. I mean, it's incredible when we consider how things really 
are revealed by the Father and how the prophet acts within it. Because Asaph's response is to stand as a type or a figure of Christ in that he begins to intercede for his people. He begins to interact with God. And that's what we see in verse 2, right? Can you read verse 2, Brother Jeremy? Yes. After, I just wanted to say something too, Brother Marty. Uh, yeah, go ahead. On the, on the why does the anger smoke against the sheep sheep of thy pasture? That's the, the question that Asaph uh, asked. It's really an indictment too on the preacher today, on the so-called prophets today. And I'm also going to include songwriters, worshipers. Yes. <laughs> because we see the, uh, you just use that word quality. And isn't it interesting all these people that that say they're they're they're, peop, they're they're prophets of God that they're songwriters being inspired by God and blah blah blah. Where are they now? You know why are they clueless? In <laughs> in, in the middle, yeah. see this pandemic has revealed that they're clueless. That they may be think they may be hearing from God, but they're really not. You know, and and here here yeah. was Asaph. He, you can call him a seer. He was a songwriter, you know, he was a, a, a worshiper. But yes. look at the quality and and the in the discernment or, or the understanding he had to search these things and ask the questions that we should have been asking from the beginning. I speak as a whole. You know, maybe we did yes. our little part here, but as a whole, that's what we should have been asking at the beginning. Why does thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? So I, yes. I also think it's an indictment to the preacher and so forth today. Amen. Uh, verse verse 2. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. So he, 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 he then stands up in verse 2 after asking the why questions and the reflective questions, right? Understanding that this is God's doing, that God is judging his people. And again, we emphasize this is for our time. And why that is, is because what Asaph is describing goes all the way to the end of the world. And and it's very interesting, like Brother Jeremy just pointed out, that he was not just a, a worship leader, but he was a prophet. That's what he was called, Asaph the seer. But he was a musician. He was a songwriter. He was he was a worshiper of God. And I think that there's a hint in that to us, if we can see it, that those to whom the, 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 the understanding of the times uh, God will reveal things to, will have this kind of equality about them within the framework of, of, of the church today. It's a prophetic quality, but it's, it's built upon worship, meditation, and, and, and a connection with God at a very high level, which is, which is a, a, a life that is consecrated to the things of God. Remember, Asaph was selected by David, who's a type of Christ. God is selecting his church right now. They are worshipers, and, and they are those that have the spirit of prophecy. He's revealing his word to them. They know, 
and have been brought through much, but but they also know how to train others. Because if you read it, for instance, in, uh, in I think it's First Chronicles 25, verse 1 and 2, when Asaph is described there, he's described as being responsible for training other leaders un, under himself within the house of God, how to prophesy uh, in the word of God, how to see things and declare things by the spirit of God. There's a whole host of things we could look at there, but just putting it out there to to to, to say also what Brother Jeremy was saying, it's absolutely correct. The kind of, the, there's two kinds of people right now, those who know and those who don't within the leadership in the house of God, most don't know what's going on because they're not of the quality of ASAP. <laughs> Very few are. But metaphorically speaking, Jesus is selecting like King David selected, those who are worshipers, true worshipers of God. Not people who just sing songs and dance around the platform. True worshipers of God. Not only who know how to worship, but who know how to lead others into worship. Because that's who he was. And it's an interesting thing to consider that, that, that music and worship and praise has, has a prophetic component to it or unlocks prophecy. That's incredible to me. That I mean, even when you look in the book of Revelation, chapter four, chapter five, John talks about how many times do you read there that they're singing, that they're playing harps, that they're rejoicing in heaven. All of that music and the tonation that God ordains unlocks things that are being unfolded right before the apostle John in the book of Revelation, chapter four and five. It's incredible. And so we see the same thing here. And I think there's mysteries there that we need to further explore in another day. But suffice it to say, he's a gatherer. That's his name. Asaph means to gather. Jesus is gathering his church right now. And what he is doing, if you can receive it, in the words of Asaph, is speaking to the generation which Asaph saw, which would transpire over the centuries and culminate at the end of time, which time we believe we're living in. And so when you know those kinds of things, and I'm speaking at a very spiritual level right now, you're able to tap into those things through understanding granted by the Holy Spirit and and glean from God's word, like Brother Fernando was saying, and understanding the times, we begin to understand how we're going to navigate ourselves, our families, our loved ones, our communities through these very moments we're living in. Because what Asaph's about to come to the conclusion is that these are not like other times. That what he was seeing in the prophetic times, he was saying what was yet to come, were going to be times that would actually be times that set in motion the return of the king. It's incredible, and we'll see that as we go along. But he begins to function now as intercessor within the very prophecy that he's seeing and begins to call the Father to to account, in a sense, to remember. He says, look, it's been a long time. Are you going to leave us forever? And and the wrath or the judgment that's come upon us, it, it it's come from your hand. And once he understands that within the realm of the prophetic understanding given by the Spirit of God as he recorded it, he then transitions and really begins to function as our great high priest. As the Spirit of Christ moves through him, he begins to you have a conversation with the Father. And the first thing he does, he does, he breaks it into three different things, right? 
the first thing he, he draws his attention to is this is your people. Remember what yeah. the Lord said that, that he searched the earth to see if there was any that understood. And then he says, but he found no intercessor, right? He couldn't find someone that would pray and stand in the gap between humanity and God himself. He, so what did he do? He provided himself an intercessor. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He ever lives to make intercession for us. He, he, he brought his own son into the world, clothed him in human flesh so that he would forever identify with humanity. And now he is seated at the right hand of, of God Almighty. And those that are his children, he stands forever to intercede for them. He stands in the gap. That's the same kind of spirit we see here in this prophetic vision that, that Asaph has, he stands up and begins to intercede on behalf of the people that have come up under judgment. And really he was interceding for us as we sit here today. Wow. He reminds wow. him of the congregation and he talks about, he first identifies, because really he's reflecting on his own people. But as we get into this uh, Psalm 74, it, you're going to see it applies to everyone who is part of his church in the end of time. But so let's just start here. He 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 identifies with it is the Lord who has purchased his congregation of old. He begins by the Holy Spirit begins to take his thoughts to when Israel was redeemed out of Egypt. They were slaves. That's what that word means to be purchased. He's saying we were slaves, but you bought us. Right. <laughs> right? So you own us. You might be mad at us. <laughs> it's pretty cool, actually. But yeah, he said, "But you own us." Remember what Peter said to Jesus: "Where am I supposed to go? You have the yeah. words of eternal life." So he's interceding based on that behalf, and he says, "You purchased us of old. I was a slave, but you bought me out of slavery." That's what he's saying. And then he says something really interesting. The second thing that he appeals to is he says, uh, "The rod of your inheritance, which you redeemed." What's interesting is how he describes God's people. He describes what they were and what they were meant to be. See, the word rod means to be a corrective instrument. And in many ways, he's, he's hearkening back to that original 12 tribes that went into the wilderness and then into the promised land. Because they became the tool and the instrument of God in the natural historical account that dealt with the demonic heathen nations that had invaded the promised land, right? The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, they were God's corrective hand. And so he's reminding God, it's beautiful because you see the spirit of Christ here. And it's really what the Father wants because he's, he's a God of love and mercy and grace. It's like, remind me of that. Bring me to this. Approach me on a legal basis. First of all, you own us. You purchased your congregation. Second of all, you redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb, right? That's how they were redeemed the night that the destroyer went through in the book of Exodus and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. The blood that was applied to the doorpost was their redemption. It was speaking of Christ. But it also elevates the, 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 the conversation within the realm of the vision to remind us at this time what the church was always intended to be, which is a hand, a tool in the hand of Almighty God to bring correction to an ungodly world around it. 
That's what they first were. And that's what he reminds them. That's We were that. We drove out the inhabitants of the land. We were a tool in your hand. And we're your right. possession, your inheritance. We were the corrective right. ones. You selected us. The church has been selected. In its infancy, it was a powerful force. 120 people in the upper room turned the entire world upside down. The great apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, go down the list of the early church. Priscilla, Aquila, Timothy, Mark, and Barnabas, all of them. They, they were a force that drove pagan, idolatrous Rome to its knees. They were the rod of his inheritance. The church has always meant to be a corrective instrument in the hand of God for the ungodly and the wicked around them. And so he appeals to that and say, we were this. We can be yeah. it again. It's incredible, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you, it's tremendous ahead, because it's, it's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's tremendous, Brother Marty, because in a sense, it's a prayer. of No, it is a prayer. He's telling God, Lord, regather us again. Yeah, that's what he means when when he says, "Remember thy congregation is to gather us as you intended it, because we're scattered." Yes. You know, <laughs> and it's interesting. I'm not going to get into it, but it's just interesting, brother, brother Marty, because I know later we'll probably study it. You know, that that's really what the the, the, the feast of it's a gathering. It's a gathering yeah. of a reflection. You know, of of a pure, you know, to regather to a pure faith in God. You know. How God intended yes. it to be, and, and and part of that prayer is God, gather us again, regather us again, you know, to be what you intended, what you said, to be a corrective, even a corrective, um, yes, uh, rod or influence to the nation. Yeah, and in 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 Old Testament speak, it's almost, I mean, it's you could translate it into the New Testament. What Jesus said, "You are the light of the world," right? <laughs> yeah, you're, yes. and and that's really what a corrective rod is. It's meant to bring light and drive away darkness. It's beautiful what you're saying, and and I really thought about it, brother Jeremy. But you're right. You know, you, we were talking about this earlier before we started this podcast, which was uh, we we've entered into the the feast of trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, right? Yes. You know. Yes. Which 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 actually uh, plays out in this psalm. <laughs> this prophetic song and we'll see it and I'll show it to you in the coming days Lord willing though the Lord will show us I should say humbly so in the, in the coming days but what hey, is bro, Rosh Hashanah Marty. go ahead brother oh, go ahead no, no, no I was going to uh, say go, go ahead the, finish that thought yeah the well, feast gonna, of trumpets <laughs> no that's alright <laughs> no that's go ahead go ahead go ahead brother finish that thought okay what I was going to say was that Rosh Hashanah, it, it, it precedes what is known as the 10 days of awe, which yeah. is what we were talking about earlier, that, that 10 days that's given just before the Day of Atonement. For those of you that aren't familiar with these things, you can Google them and read about them. But the Day of Atonement is the day that the blood is applied uh, to the to the Ark of the Covenant and and the Shekinah or the glory of God would appear over the blood, all foreshadows of the coming sacrifice of Christ and the real acceptance of the blood in heaven itself. That's for another day. But the point of the matter is this: is that the the trumpets precede the next ten days. We're in these high holy festival days right now as we sit here speaking this 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 morning. 
and 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 the trumpets occur first at the end of summer. Yeah. And in Israel, at in Israel back in the day, the trumpets were sounded all across the land because because it was the time of the summer harvest. There was a spring harvest, yeah. there's a summer and fall harvest. And at yeah. the end of summer is when they would gather the fruits that had been come to fruition at the end of summer. And they would gather these fruits, but the trumpets would sound yeah. as they were nearing the end of it. And the trumpets were meant to send the signal throughout the land that the harvest is coming to an end. Oh, and that, and that what they must do, they have to do it quickly now. Yeah. Because we're headed in, because then what you were sharing earlier, Brother Jeremy, off, off our podcast is so true. Because the next thing after the harvest is gathered comes this incredible 10 days of scrutiny and examination of each and every individual life within the house of God. Calling to mind everything that they had done in order to, to, to lament over it, to bring it to the surface, so that once they get to the Day of Atonement, they have confessed all their sins to God, and they will not fall under the judgment, which, which Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, whatever you want to call it, represents. It's judgment for the world. It's forgiveness for the church. Yes. It's quite possible we have crossed into that now, that the trumpets are sounding, and what we do, we must do quickly. I think that's what God is saying. My God, the United States is on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And not only is it on fire, its streets are on fire. Its 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 streets are, are lawless. We've got lawless people running around acting crazy. We've got this pandemic breaking out. We we've got we're in the midst of a nation divided, and we can just go down the list. Throw in a few celestial signs. And it's 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 definitely the time that the trumpets are blowing, brother. Brother Fernando, you were going to say? No, it's it's uh, quite interesting. Um, what, what the question he poses in in verse two, where he says, "Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance." Um, and I think it's it's the question must be posed today. Uh, by the Church of God, the, the Church of, of the Lord, is let's talk about the Church in the West. Um, mm. Have we lost that moral authority? Have we lost that 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 sense of the presence of God, or that the very presence of God abiding in 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 His body here in the West, to where it would bring conviction to the world, right? And and yeah. and and the, the Church saw or the world saw the church as this bright and shining light of, 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 you know, of righteousness, of, of godly living. Have we lost that? Because that's what he calls into remembrance um, to the Lord. But we first have to ask the question, have we lost that or are we still that? Right? It's, yeah. it's a very simple question. And every indication, brother, and it's getting worse from what we're yeah. hearing in preachers in America is that we have lost that kind of right and authority. We yeah, are not right. God's rod of correction. Matter of <laughs> fact, the world the world is laughing at us because of the continuous scandals that we're getting caught in 
and, and, and the blasphemies that we're preaching are coming out of our pulpits is an indication that we are no longer that rod of, 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 of correction. Um, you know, where, where, where we correct the world by, by how we live. We reprove mm-hmm. the world by how we live, right? We reprove the Absolutely. darkness, the light does. That's what the scripture says. And, yeah. and, and, and so it's the, the question that is asked by Asaph, and he realizes that, that, that yeah. you know, their light has gone out. Incredible. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's precisely right, eerie, brother, brother Jeremy. Yeah. No, brother, uh, I was going to say, my brother, is that it, it's, it's eerie, you know. <clears throat> if if we have lost the sense of the presence of God, of that convicting power, then we're in trouble because this is a time where we should be reflecting and analyzing yeah. our heart. Yeah. And... Uh, Sorry, brother, but it, uh, I just sense his presence and, and no, you're right, and brother. The weight. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, you're Praise absolutely right. And, and brother, brother Fernando and brother Jeremy, what you were just saying made me also think of another another rotation on what he's saying. Uh, to look at it. the thy congregation which you have purchased of old, remember them. It's as if he's appealing. Know. He's appealing to what once was and the memory of what once was. Remember what God talked to Israel when he brought him? He said, when you go into the promised land and you've built goodly houses and you've you've reaped your harvest and you've dwelt in those houses, he says, thou shalt not forget that it is the Lord your God which has given you the power to get wealth. Not because of you, he said, but that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto your forefathers. So he's saying, you're blessed because of your forefathers. It's as if Asaph is saying, remember the congregation you purchased of old, the rod of your inheritance. He's appealing to the ancestors that once served him as a pretext for saying, give these people a chance based on the memory of those who served you of old because this is their children, right? And so we see the heart of God here that that He moves on a man's heart because we know that 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 the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's the Holy Spirit that moves in heart men's hearts. So this is the Holy Spirit moving on His prophet to truly intercede, and and it's such a skillful level. Remember what He said: a maskil of Asaph is how the psalm begins. It requires great skill and great meditation to really dig into what's happening here and what he's saying. I think that's what moves you to tears, Brother Jeremy, the, the presence of the Holy yeah. Spirit, because that's what he's yeah. moving in this man's heart. It's it's all of that. And like you said, Brother uh, Fernando, he's appealing to that and, and acknowledging the same thing, that we used to be this, but we're not. And it leaves that opening saying, we have fallen to this point, and yet I'm going to search for something somewhere that that can appeal to your grace because that's your heart. And in many ways he he was he was he was being propelled down the corridors of, of history and came to rest with this intercession in our time so that we could draw on it. Because we have loved ones out there, we have friends, we have people in the community that that once knew God and aren't living like that anymore. We've lost that light. 
And while it may not be that he's going to reestablish and make America great again, as they say, it is, though, that he is building a kingdom. And and what he wants to do is move upon the worshiper's heart, the seer's heart, those being driven by the Holy Spirit, to appeal to him on behalf of those who had once the fire of God burning in their hearts or who have even been witnessed to. Maybe you've been praying for them. It, it, right now, yeah. God is going to compel them to come in. Jesus gave yeah. us a hint of that in his parable, right? When he said that he, he had prepared the wedding and everybody that was invited wasn't worthy to come because they all began to make excuse how they couldn't show up to the wedding. And so his servants came and said, look, these guys don't want to come. And he said, go into the highways and the byways, right? And you compel them to come in. Brothers and sisters, I know you've got people out there that are in the highways and the byways. If you will compel them right now, if we will step up and just, you know, uh, enough with the niceties and the, and the, like Brother Fernando said earlier, uh, I don't remember we recorded or we were talking about it. It's enough of this. Enough of beating around the edges or trying not to hurt someone's feelings or you don't want to make things uncomfortable. Heaven and hell is at stake here. Right. Right? Compel them to come in. I think you'll be surprised. God will get a hold of them. I don't mean to start shouting here, but, man, Brother Jeremy, you did move my heart there, bro. God has purchased them. Think about this. Go ahead, Brother. Brother Marty, this is is pre-temple. Right. This is this is yeah, yeah. The, this is the David's tabernacle, and we see the kind of quality of meditation and intercession that it was being produced by the Holy Spirit because of David, yeah. right? In in Asaph, right, uh, which is a type, David being a type of Christ, and 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 this is before the temple is even erected, and he's already seen, you know, like like as though. God is judgment is is near it's there right yeah. and, and it it, it will come in a more profound way years later when the temple's built but but the book of acts speaks about that the lord will restore david's tabernacle it is this kind of quality yeah. of of believers in these last days right yeah. that 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 have this kind of intercession and prayer life like asaph to consider um uh, where God's people are heading before it actually happens, <laughs> right? That's and, amazing. That's, right, and that's why the intercession he's praying is not just for for his time, but it's for a future time. Because prayer, uh, true intercession is 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 eternal, right? It's it's yes. it, it take it it has its ramifications in all times. Yes. If we can really grasp that kind of intercession, I think it's the deepest kind of intercession. It's prophetic in nature. And so he's speaking to us today. It's a forewarning. He's teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to ask questions. I felt that right there. He's teaching us how to conduct ourselves, right? At this particular time, God has left us in blueprint intercessions. In scripture, in the songs of how we are supposed to pray today. Yes. You you talked about intercession having eternal ramifications. You know, David wrote that way. He said, Thou hast saved all my tears in a bottle. You know, 
in the book of Revelation, we see that when the time comes that they pour out the vials of the prayers of the saints that have been stored up by God, right? It becomes the incense that brings the, oh, my God. Hallelujah. He's going to answer your prayers, saints. Yeah. Right? He's going to do it. Your 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 brother's gonna be saved, you know. Your your dad's gonna be saved. Your 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 daughter's gonna come home. Don't let the devil lie to you. Right now is the greatest opportunity. Like Brother Jeremy was talking about, we've entered into the the time of Rosh Hashanah. It's a festival of the blowing of the trumpets, the alerting of those that are in the field that the harvest is coming to an end. And what you do, you must do now. You must gather it now. If you cannot see. We have crossed over into times that the that the earth has never seen, not since the days of Noah, quite possibly, not since the days of, of, of Lot, like Jesus said. Remember the days of Lot. There was an Abraham who stood on the plains of Mamre and interceded for his nephew. And, and, and God so honored those prayers at that time that he sent angels, and, and they weren't even ready to come out, but he grabbed them, people, and made them come out of that city before judgment fell. God has that promise put in his word specifically for our times. I feel that. Yes, I, I, yes. I, I, met a, I met a few of you over the weekend who shared your testimonies with me and, and, and unburdened your hearts to my wife and telling her about that there's people listening to these podcasts and, and, and they're burdened for their loved ones. They're burdened for their communities. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Oh, we need to lay hold of these things and we need to compel yeah. them to come in, to intercede for them to come in. Uh, God yeah. is going to answer your prayer. He wants to save them more than you want them to be saved and you want them to be saved with all your heart, right? Like Paul said, if he didn't spare his only son, right? What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is that time. And that's yes. what you were, you were sharing, brother. You know, Go ahead, brother. How how important is what we're saying about prayer and intercession in this hour? In the book of Revelation, we see the prayer of the martyrs, of the saints. Where are those prayers at? right there at the altar of incense, right before the holy place, the holy of holies. And and, and those prayers are recorded there. They're there, Lord, avenge us. When will you avenge us? And what you said, Brother Fernando, has eternal ramifications. And it's interesting that the position is right there. It's representative of the altar of incense. Within it, it's not just praise, worship. You know, what we, we say it is, it's the prayers of the saints, past, present, future, that are there right before the entrance of the Holy of Holies. I thought that was important yes. to uh, point out. Praise God. Yes. And and that's where we are, right? And, and I think that's something we can continue to look into as we go along in these days. Again, they were the rod of your inheritance, right? That's the second thing he says. You redeemed them. You know that they started out as a, as an as a tool in your hand for correction by the very power of the godly lives that they lived. They were the saints of God. They were they were your children, and remember, based on that, that 
that there's you know that that that's that's who you <laughs> who you need to come help right uh and then the third thing he says is uh, this mount zion wherein thou hast dwelt that we ain't got time to get into all that in in depth but he uses zion the word zion he's talking about jerusalem but he he specifically changes the title to zion which is very interesting. It's 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 meant to instruct us about something. He says, first of all, he says it's Mount Zion, and it's where thou hast dwelt. Past tense. Mm-hmm. You used to be there, right? The word Zion means uh, to be. Uh, it's a parched place, dry place. Mm-hmm. He's appealing to the heart of God here in that he's saying we have become a people that is dry without the fresh water of God. That's why he called them Mount Zion. And he said, you used to be with us. The reason we're, we're dry is because you're no longer hanging out with us. You've removed yourself from us. And I hate to say this, but we're talking about our time right now. We're talking about the church in this country as a whole. I'm not talking about everybody. There's good people who love the Lord. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. But when you look at the overall scheme of what you see taking place across the landscape of that which calls itself the church, it is a dry and parched place. It has placed, uh, you know, it has wrapped itself in in church church ease, you know, the language of Christianity, the language of the church. It has on a a costume that looks like the church, but it's not. It's empty. It's dry. And God isn't dwelling there anymore. And and so, so Asaph reveals to us why, remember what he started out saying, why does it feel like you've been gone from us forever and why is judgment coming upon us? He's revealed it. You know, we we were purchased out of slavery, but we've we've become bound to this world now. We used to be a force for good and light, like Brother Fernando was talking about, a rod of your inheritance. But now we're all up in in the darkness. We used to be that city called Jerusalem, the city of peace, Shalom, right? Jerusalem, the city of the great King. But now we're where this Mount Zion and the Hebrew words that he talks about there, we've become a parched and dry land and you have removed your presence from us. The contrast is striking. And, 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 and he begins to appeal to that and reveal to us the kind of conditions that ultimately led to the judgment coming as he transitions into verse four, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But after he describes all that in verse three, he says, what brother Jeremy? says, lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy had done wickedly in the sanctuary. Incredible. He goes on to appeal uh, for the Lord to come swiftly. That's what that phrase, lift up your feet. He then begins to say, come quickly. Because unless you come, 
<laughs> our ultimate yeah. destiny is, is to be destroyed. That's what he's saying. The Spirit of God is already taking him, beginning to move him into an understanding at the very beginning of the song as to what all this is about because he moves him to intercede for God to come quickly. It sounds a lot like what the Spirit says at the end of the book of Revelation, right? Even so, come quickly, Lord. The Spirit and the bride say, come quickly. Uh, Asaph says it as, lift up thy feet under perpetual desolation. He's contrasting his people from the enemy, you know, and the Lord is allowing the enemy to bring wrath and judgment. However, it serves as a catalyst for the world's judgment. A lot of fancy words, but that's what he's going to go on to reveal. He, he asks God and says, it's a perpetual desolation. From the time you've left us, from the time that we left our commission, we've come to this state. And, and we need you to lift up thy feet and come to this. Come quickly is what he's saying. And then he draws the attention and says, even all that the enemy has done wickedly in your sanctuary." This is the work of the devil, wow. is that he came into the sanctuary of God precisely because the people of God failed to live above that slave mentality they were once engaged in. We saw that happen quickly when Israel got saved, right? <clears throat> and Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. On his way back down, oh, yeah. they've already built a golden <laughs> calf, right? Wow, I mean, yeah. They, they went right from... Uh, they went right from being slaves uh, to being free men to wanting to go back to Egypt and worship their false gods. It's a perfect picture of the end time. See, Jesus has gone up to the mountain himself, and he's just about to come down. And what have the, what has the church in this country done but rose up and built themselves a golden calf? Everything's being exposed. <clears throat> the enemy has done this. But, but remember, this kind of likens to Second Thessalonians chapter two, for, uh, chapter two, right, where it says that those days cannot come; the enemy cannot come, except there come a falling away first, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what we see here, right, where he talks about uh, this Mount Zion has become a parched land, and you used to dwell there. In other words, you're not there anymore, and so the enemy has come in, and he is. <clears throat> he has come in uh, and done wickedly in your sanctuary. That's what's been happening to the church. When it when it when it removed itself, it brought judgment upon itself. But judgment isn't always right away revealed as some you know cataclysmic cataclysmic uh, natural thing. You know, like an earthquake or fires or anything. It, 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 that does happen, and that and we're seeing it now. <clears throat> but judgment takes the form. Uh, of of what you were saying earlier that uh, that it, there'll be a famine for the hearing of the word of God, you know, that there, there will no longer be righteous ministers in the pulpit, but the people heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. <clears throat> they they get a reflection of what they want, and so what you see over the last twenty, thirty, forty years, what Brother Fernando was pointing out earlier is you see now all of those seeds that were sown over decades of incremental compromise have now borne the fruit of a harvest of absolute emptiness 
and, and, and a church that is devoid of any sense of the reflection of Christ in their life, and they have completely embraced this world, and that has left the door wide open, and that's what Asaph is lamenting, saying, Lord, come quickly and stop this, because the enemy has come into the very holiest places of your church and defiled it because of who they have become. And that is what he lays out that he sees in the first three verses. And he, he begins to appeal to him to return quickly or there won't be anything left. And as a, as a matter of fact, Jesus in his Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, he said the very same, same thing. Unless those days be cut short, he said, there will be no flesh saved. But for the elect, he, he said. <clears throat> That's what Asaph's appealing to. Come quickly. Lift up your feet. That's literally what that means. Unto this emptiness, because the enemy is all up in it now. And that's where we are, church. Whether you can see it or not, or whether you want to accept it or not, that's where we are. But we have the promise. We have we have the promise of the return of our Lord. And, and that is what we're looking for. And we're going to pick this up tomorrow, because this is where he transitions. He gives this huge overall big picture. And then he transitions and goes back from verse 4 through 9 and begins to reveal, which will be a stunning, stunning thing that we'll look at tomorrow because it perfectly describes where we are today. From the tearing down of statues to the removing of, of, of anything that reminds us of our God and having it replaced. Like he said in verse 4. Can you read verse 4 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. They set up their signs for our signs. That's literally what he's saying. They've taken our signs away and they've put up their signs. He says this is what they began to do. So he lays out the case in verse 1 through 3 like we talked about and, and the hope that we see there. And then he goes back and begins to reveal how it all happened and how that end-time generation could mark the fact that they had entered the end times when they began to see the same things that he saw in his prophetic vision, which would occur for his people in the natural, but yet remain for the end of days, as we'll see in the remaining of this song. When he begins to transition out of this description we're about to go in tomorrow, you're going to see that many of the things that are described here in verse 4 through 9 are all over the world today, and especially in the United States of America and its church and what's actually, actually happening to us. But we have the hope of the return of our Lord, and that's what this psalm is all about, the appeal to heaven for the Lord to return. That is what we need. That is our hope. That is the gospel. Even so, come quickly, Lord, is our prayer. Anything else, brothers? We'll leave it here. Heavy duty. <laughs> what a yeah. what a tre what a tremendous way to to start our week. You know, with an appeal to our nation, with when it, with an appeal to our to God's people. Yeah. To use this time to reflect before it's too late, and you know, I know my brothers. Along, we have sensed His presence throughout this, uh, throughout this uh, teaching, throughout this podcast today, and, and sensing the urgency and the weight of it. 
you know, of the times that we are living in. But that is the type of of, uh, of understanding and knowledge we're going to have to have an understanding of the times. It's not just, you know, praying for the sake of, all right, let's gather together and pray. No, we, we have to know how to pray, what questions yeah. to ask God, you know, and that can only come by the leading of the Holy Spirit who will put in you the words, even what to ask and what to pray for. And uh, it is a time to pray. It is a time to intercede. And we pray you've been blessed today. And we look forward to uh, Lord, the Lord wills, uh, Lord willing, we'll be back with you tomorrow on on Wednesday, and as we continue our study in the Book of Psalm seventy four, and uh, we pray that you have a blessed day. May God bless you, may God keep you, and as always, keep looking up.